assurance of having God's peace through your troubles. If all of you guys could just stand up with me as we prepare to worship. Let's come into the sanctuary. Let's stand up. Get ready to get into the presence of God. I want to talk to you guys about the assurance of having peace in your problems and in your troubles in life. How many of you know that we're going to have troubles in this life? We're going to have hard times. But we could be sure that God will never leave us. And we could be sure that his peace will be with us. My husband and I just went through a hard time of having a miscarriage with our third child. And it was seriously one of the hardest things that we had to bear. But I can, I can testify to you right now that I felt the tangible presence of God. I was not there questioning, God, where were you? God, why did you let this happen? I truly felt his presence. I truly felt his hand with us. So I want to encourage you when you're going through hard times, whether it's financial, whether it's family, whether whatever it is, he is with you and his peace is upon you. I'm going to read John 16:33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your peace. We thank you, God, that we do not have to go a day without you. You've never left us. You never have forsaken us, God, and your promises are true. And we thank you today, and we give you worship. I pray, God, that today this worship will be anointed, oh God. I pray that your presence will be in this place. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that through the word, hearts will be pierced today. Let no person walk out this door without a repentant heart, God, without things in their heart being right. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, in that attitude of worship, can you just raise your hands with me this morning? Come on, let's keep welcoming the Holy Spirit in this place. Jesus, you are worthy, God. We lift you up, Lord. You're worthy in this place, Jesus. Oh, we focus our attention on you, God.
a desire is to make you bigger, oh God, than every situation, bigger, oh God, than anything we face, God, is you, Lord. We understand who you are. You're the King of glory. You're the Lord of all creation. You're the Lord of our lives, God. You have our lives in your hands, Jesus. Nothing is impossible for you, God. Lord, we look to you, Jesus. You created the sun, the stars, the moon, God. You created all that we see, God. You are Lord of everything, God. God, I pray that as we look to you, God, everything else becomes small, Jesus. God, as we look to you, God, everything else fades in comparison to your glory, to your might. Come on, if you feel like there's a situation in your life that is super huge to you, can you just raise your hand right now? Man, you feel like there's something that's overwhelming you this morning. A situation, a problem, a a health condition that you feel is just so huge in your life. Can you just raise your hand before Jesus? And right now, between you and God, can you just say, God, have your glory in this situation. Come on, have your way in this situation, God. Come on, if we're following Jesus, we know that everything is Father-filtered. We know that everything that we face is to bring God glory. That God is teaching us something. So right now, if you feel overwhelmed, come on, raise those hands to the Lord and say, God, I know that you're bigger than this, Jesus. I know that you're bigger than this situation. And God, I ask that as I walk through this, God, that you would have glory. That God, when people see my life walking through this, God, that your name would be glorified. Come on, Jesus is talking to some people today. Come on, you're not alone. You're not walking with this big weight on your shoulders. Jesus is saying that he's going to get his glory out of your situation. Come on, you're going to walk through this. Come on. Victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hope is coming into this room right now. Come on, faith is getting bigger. Jesus. Can you just praise him for the situation? Come on, the Bible says to thank him in trials, to be joyful in all situations. Come on. Can we just praise him in this place for who he is? You're worthy. You're worthy in the midst of it, God. You're worthy, God. Come on, joy is coming to you. Joy is coming to you. Come on, receive that joy this morning. weights being lifted hallelujah the weights being lifted off our shoulders giving a burden that is light hey, hey, hey. giving you a new song in your heart upon the name of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Come 
Lift up those hands right now in this place. Lift up those hands. Everyone, close your eyes. Focus on the throne of God. You have no idea, but right now we're at the brink. <laughs> right now we're at the precipice. We're at the cliff of a breakthrough. You feel it. You sense it. It's in the room. Can I get a witness? Is it, is it in the room? Yes. You feel it. You're, you're feeling that. God is about to blow in this place. And we're just waiting. We're like, what's going to happen, God? What are you going to do? Let me tell you something right now. Some of you feel powerless against and versus your situation. Jesus Christ said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you will receive power <laughs> power you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness you will be my witness in judea in samaria and to the ends of the earth power is near lift up your hands power is near power is near lift up those hands right now Lift up those hands. Power is near. Power is near. Right now is our Acts chapter 2. Right now is our Acts chapter 2 moment. This moment is your Acts chapter 2 moment. Your Pentecost is now. Your Pentecost is now. Everyone that is able, speak in tongues right now. Everyone that is filled, speak in tongues right now. Everyone that is filled, speak in tongues right now. Shara baba ba, tero baba ba sho, jinda la seka, era he, uha se toro baba, shito lo keta, so toro ba, era la la jinda baba shi, hasatea, hasatea, hasatea la, io bote, io steka, io shabote, tiara baba ba, shela rasti, kon. Come on, come on, don't get tired. You're on the brink of breakthrough. 
You're on the brink of breakthrough. We're just getting started here. Some of y'all are just like, what the heck is going on? You need power right now. You need power right now. If you want to get filled, raise up your hand. If you need a filling right now, if you've never been baptized, speaking in other tongues, like they say in the South, what do they say in the South? Talk in tongues. That's what they say in the South. If you never talked in tongues, raise up your hands right now. And you want a feeling right now. Come on, don't be shy. At your seat. Wherever you're at, at your seat. Elders and deacons are looking around right now. For those that have their hands raised, let's go pray for them. We're going to continue praying. And this is what's going to happen. You just loose your tongue. You forget your English. You're going to forget your English right now. And you're going to be baptized. And you're, not only are you going to speak in other tongues, but you will be empowered to preach. You'll be empowered to teach. You'll be empowered to be a witness. Amen? So let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I pray for those that desire the gift. I pray for those, God that have lifted up their hands, I ask that they will receive it as a gift. They don't have to earn it. They don't have to try to work for it. It's your gift, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fill them now. Fill them now. Fill them now. In the name of Jesus. Fill them now. Fill them now. Come on, church. Come on, proclaim. Lift up your voice. Speak in tongues, church. In the name of Jesus, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, Lord. Shed her what a sweet what a sweet what a sweet presence ah, come on just breathe that in what a sweet what a sweet presence oh, Peter said these men are not drunk as you suppose 
Oh, they're just fulfilling the prophecy in Joel. That sons and daughters would prophesy. That old men will dream dreams. That young men will have visions. Just breathe that in. Father, we're not a powerless church. On the opposite, everything that, ha- that is in you is in us. You're indwelling in us, God. Your power is in us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just tell them that right now. Say, you, say I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house? Amen. Man, slap your neighbor high five and say, I feel Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I feel Jesus in this place. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. We have something special that we want to do. It's a little bittersweet, but uh, we want to send out two of our best today. David and Monica Montez, would you guys come? Would you bless the Lord as they come? And uh, David, would you just stand next to me right here? Because I just want to rub on your shoulder right here. I don't want to get in trouble by doing, you know. But just, I want to love on you guys, man. For those of you who don't know, uh, David serves in our military as a sergeant in the U.S. Army. Can we give it up for Jesus for that? Thank him for his service. Thank you. And a part of what, you know, he has to do is be ready to be deployed, to go overseas, and to move to any location to train up our soldiers. And they had given him the option, praise God, it was an option, to either go to Afghanistan or to work with wounded soldiers in Savannah, Georgia at a base. And uh, Monica is expecting their second child. And he just felt led of the Lord to stay home, to stay here in the, in the home front and be with these wounded soldiers and, and raise them up. So that means uh, sometime in May, they're going to be leaving us for at least a year but who knows what will happen after that but I wanted before you all today to honor them because the Bible says give honor to whom honor is due and I really just wanted to honor them for what they've done in this church for some of you who don't know they were at the first service 2005 in March they were there there was about 13 people that were there and they weren't married yet. They were in a relationship. And, uh, man, it was just so cool to see you guys back then. I was a lot skinnier back then. You look pretty much the same. Of course, you're having a baby. We're not going there. But, uh, man, we used to hang out, play Halo together. He was actually, David, was actually the one who walked up to me while I was playing Halo before we started the church with the other two friends that said, hey, I heard you're a pastor. I have questions about the end times. It was his heart that sparked me to start the Bible study that then the Lord led into a church that you're a part of today. So he is very, very special. Monica is very, very special. Um, As time went on, we got to know each other better. He had to go back to Germany, and that's where he actually met Monica because she's a Polish-German. She lives in Germany, but her heritage is Polish. Is that correct, Yakshimash? Are you Polish? Did you live in Germany? So your family is German, but you were born in Poland. So your your, your heritage is now Polish. Okay. Okay. 
How do we say, how are you doing in German again? How do we do that? Yeah. What's the easier way? Don't we have a... No, no, Duncan Shane is thank you. I thought we... Okay, we'll go on from that. We had a greeting that we would say in German. I can't remember what it was. I thought you taught me a shorter greeting than that. It was the German greeting, but nonetheless, these are my friends. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, moving along, it says, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. And you guys have been so faithful with uh, what you guys have done for the Lord in this church. And uh, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is uh, before you guys got married, uh, Monica, it was in, in, the old, in the building here, but in the old setup, the stage was over there, and the chairs were facing this way. And we sat right there, and uh, she had on her, her little pad and paper, and she was like, I have these drawings. This is my voice that I do of Monica. I have these drawings that I'd like to show you for the logo for the church. And at that point, I didn't know that she was a graphic designer. And I was like, you know what? I think you need to do the 101 first. I think you need to do the 201. But she humbly did it. And eventually, Monica became our graphic designer. She designed that logo. That's right there. Painted that logo. Did so much for us all throughout these years. Can we just thank Monica for all that she did? Thank you. And um, we did their wedding. David and Monica's wedding, baptism in Lake Michigan. Was that before or after you guys were married? Baptism in Lake Michigan, before the wedding. That was awesome. That was so powerful. Elliot was there as well. You got baptized in Lake Michigan. Let's just give it up for Elliot getting baptized in Lake Michigan. We have some gifts we want to give you. Nancy, would you bring them? They're going to be leaving sometime in May. We want to release them now in case they've got a pack, do whatever. So if you don't see them, you know what's going on. There's a poster board in the back that uh, we make as we made as a card. And you guys can write your little like we love you's on there and everything. We got mama some flowers, some travel goodies right here, and then a $50 gift card with a thank you note for anything that you guys can get with that. Uh, we just want to thank you so much for what you've done, man. Just year after year, faithfulness. Uh, all the times that Monica and I have worked on stuff. I mean, all the brochures and everything that you see, she's been a part of. And then David's life group. How many have been in touch and inspired by their life group together? Amen. I mean, just what a blessing, man. What a blessing. And, you know, in my heart for you guys, my heart is find a great church over there. You know, let them know how we do it in Chicago, baby. Like roll up in that mammoth chama, you know what I'm saying? They're the, your discipleship books and be like, I'm here to be a disciple. What can I do? You know, like serve them, love them. Like I want a pastor from somebody like in Atlanta to call me up and be like, Dave and Monica, they're so nice. They're so awesome. Pastor Joe, thank you. Ish, don't go Southern next time. That's why you never want to imitate or duplicate, baby. What you should have said during that time, just to give you a side note, was this is what the gente says, the raza. We say, fuego de Dios. Because you couldn't think of what Southerners say. You know what they say? The fayaya, baby. That's what Southerners say. You ain't ready for that. But so, so my heart for you guys is, man, find a good church. Love them out there. And just do something good for God that we can sit back and go, man, those are our brothers and sisters. They're so awesome. So let's stand up and pray for them today. Elders, would you come around? Oh, deacons, we're just going to come around them and just pray. Would you guys stand in front now, please, so they can all get, uh, would you, Dave and Monica, come stand right here for me, please. We're all just going to come around you.
Face me, please. You're so awesome. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for their lives. Each one of you right now who's loved them, would you just send a prayer towards heaven for them right now? Just ask the Lord to bless them. Those elders and deacons that are around them right now, let them hear your prayers. Come on. We just believe that when God sends us good people, we will take care of them, honor them, and send them forth in blessing. We want to imitate what they did in the New Testament church. Honor those who work among us. Thank you, God, for David's faithfulness as a husband, a father in the military. Increase and bless him. Thank you for Monica's love as a mother, as a helper in the church, as a great wife, as a discipler, God. And now, Lord, we just ask that you bless them, protect them, keep them. May the army be better because of what David does there. May Savannah, Georgia be better for what they do there for your kingdom. May their hearts be wide open to hear your voice. May they always be sensitive to what you're saying, Jesus. You said, Lord, it's hard to find a faith-worthy, trustworthy person. But, Lord, we found them. And they've been a treasure to us. And now we're sending them in your name. Traveling mercies, God. Protect and keep them. And let every soldier, wounded soldier that David comes in contact with, let your love shine through them. In your precious name we pray. In your precious name. And everybody say, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stay standing. DJ, put on some party music. They're going to stand in front right here. Would you come up and tell them thank you for their service to the Lord as we just hang out for a few moments. So make your way up here. Maybe shake somebody else's hand. And let's just tell them how much we love them right now. Party music would be awesome. Thank you. Yes. DJ, can I put in a you got Family Force 5 or something from your your uh, your thing? Give me a little bit. I want like a different kind of flavor. Take me there right now.
That's what I'm talking about, DJ. That's what I'm talking about. Can we all grab a seat? And we figured it out. This is amazing. DJ, this is amazing. I'm so happy we figured it out because I'm like, I'm not going to forget this thing she taught me, right? So I'm like, I know she taught me something. And I know the difference between Polish and German, believe it or not. And guess what the word was? Asfidesen. Asfidesen, which is I will see you later. So we are all going to say it to them. Asfidesen. As fidesen, as fidesen. Can I say it with an accent? As fidesen. Can I do as fidesen? Okay. And we're going to practice right now. Just as fidesen. One, two, three. As fidesen. One more time. One, two, three. As. Okay. Now we're going to look to them and we're going to say it with an accent like with the cute little German boy with sausage. And, and we, we just went to the market. We got our sausage and bread and we're saying goodbye to the baker. As fidesen. Okay. On the count of three, everybody wave to them. One, two, three. As fidesen. Thank you so much, Joe, for that. I don't know if I could have gone on with my day without knowing that. So thank you very much. Aus fidesen. Praise God. Welcome to Metro Praise. Oh, Lord, help me, God. If you're a child and you, you want to hang out back there, parents, just send your kids back there. It's, uh, release, we're going to release the children to King's Kids. You're going to have a great time. Man, my name's Ishmael. I'm an elder here. Thank you. I, had, I have one fan. Thank you. <laughs> I got, oh, no, thank you. Yes. I feel loved. I'm an elder here, and all that means is I'm here to serve you. I say that every time I come up here, and I really mean that. It's not just a cliche, or it's not just something that I say. You know, it's whatever I can do to serve, and if I can't, I'll find you someone that can. Amen? But I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 2. I want to talk about the sweetest, most beautiful, one of the most sweetest and beautiful words in the New Testament. Can someone take a guess on which word I'm thinking about? Okay, we got love. That's a sweet word, right? Yeah, that's not it. Uh, anyone else? Come on. Faith, that's beautiful. What else? 
praise. What you say? Grace, man, that's nice. Actually, I'm going to talk about the most beautiful, one of the most loving, beautiful words I know in the New Testament. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear it, Jesus? That's, that's probably, yeah, very sweet. Yes, but no, that's not the word. It's repent. Repent is the word. Come on, say it with me. Repent. Repentance. Metanoia in the Greek. Okay, this is what it means to change your mind, change of thinking, okay? There's an opposite word to metanoia. Can anyone guess what it is? Paranoia. There you go. Paranoia. Paranoia. To be always in your mind, to be always freaking out. Oh my, what, have I, what do they think about me? What do they do? What should I do about this? Blah, 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 blah. That's paranoia, right? Metanoia. Outside of your mind. Change of mind. Change of thinking. God is calling you to repent. Sinner, if you haven't repented... God is calling you to repent. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended, you, intended to lead you to repentance? See, God wants you to repent, right? But sometimes we think like, oh, I don't want to repent. You know, I don't want to turn. I don't want, I like the way I think. Do you, you're showing contempt against God. You're actually fighting his will for you. You're actually against his will, his grace for you. Imagine this, if you will, a big river, a rushing river. And, and all of humanity, like just close your eyes and imagine this because I'm doing the same thing. All of humanity is in this rushing river called grace. And it's flowing this way. And all of humanity is rushing against it, right? And you're pushing against it, resisting, showing contempt to the power of grace that's pushing against you. That's what you're doing as a sinner that will not repent but if you just surrender to the river and the power of grace and you let that push you to where he's going, let that lead you to what he's doing, let that take you with him, then you're surrendering to what he wants you to do. Amen? That's repentance. Amen? Verse 5 says, because of your stubbornness, <laughs> because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath. You are storing up wrath against yourself for that day of God's wrath. When the righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. Sinner, the call is easy today. It's simple. And if you've, if you've, if you've been warming a pew for 10 years and you don't live a lifestyle of repentance... Okay? This is a lifestyle. This isn't something you do one day. I repent for my sins. And I'm good now, God. No, this is a lifestyle. So say lifestyle. Lifestyle of outside of your mind, outside of your thinking, outside of this paranoia you got here into the mind of Christ. See, there's two minds. There's the mind of Adam, right? And Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Can you say that today? Friend, can you say that today? Stand up to your feet if you can. Heavenly Father, I pray that this word would penetrate the heart of those that need to repent. Lord God, let us not be stubborn, hard-necked. Let us not store wrath against ourselves. Let us not show contempt against you. 
but receive and surrender to the riches of your kindness, of your forbearance, of your patience. Let us realize, Lord God, that your kindness is what leads us to repentance. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him right now. Say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have some deacons here that are going to pray with you if you want to repent today, if you want to give your life to Christ, if you want to be born again. We have some deacons right here that are going to lead you to Christ. But right now we're going to say our creed, our confession of faith. Amen? If you want a copy, raise your hand. We have elders that are handing them out right now. So just raise up your hand. We'll give you guys time to pass them out. Otherwise, we'll just read it here. And, you know, these aren't just religious words that we say, amen? Because I hate religion. Let me just, let me just, I mean, let me just be honest with you. Can I, can I be honest with you today? I hate religion. I love Jesus Christ. I love truth. This isn't something we do out of religious, you know, obligation. This is something that we feel, we know, we trust. And it's our Christian worldview. It's what we believe, Amen? So say it with me together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers of Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles, prophets, elders, and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Give, give Jesus some praise in this place. Give him a hand clap. We're going to fellowship right now. So get out your seat, slap your neighbor silly, and just praise the Lord. Amen.
International. It is wonderful to see everybody here this morning. How many of you guys excited to be here and worship the Lord together? Amen. One big happy family. Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. Our youth services are every Friday at 7 p.m. Elevate. Come on. They have to represent. They had an awesome outreach this Friday. They had their little E-night. They're grilling out in the back. They had a wonderful time. Lots of visitors, Pastor Adam. You guys rocked it out. Please, if you know any youth, please, please invite them here every Friday for the service. Our vision here is very simple. It is loving God and loving people. We desire with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to love the Lord, to put him first, and to honor him in all that we do as his disciples. And we want to love people. And at this time of our church, we want to lift up a young lady. Her name is Diana. She is the wife of Juan. Most of you guys probably know them. They uh, just came back with the Wicker Park group. They've been a part of our church for a few years now. And uh, we want to show our love for them in a spiritual way by praying for them in a very practical way. So we will be lifting her up in prayer right now. But I also want to make an announcement that for Juan and Diana for the month of May and June, she basically, for those that, you'll, that don't know, she got hit by a car last Sunday after leaving the marriage life group from the Rivera's house. Um, she got hit by a car, I believe it was a taxi cab, and she is in the hospital. She's already had one surgery for her broken leg. We praise God that it wasn't anything else that could have been worse. But she is facing her second surgery this week, and uh, it's going to be a difficult next two months. So starting in May, next Sunday, for every Sunday for the month of May and June, we will be collecting groceries for them here in the back. If you need more information about that, you could contact Jared and Sue Ellen Walker. But we have the availability to every Sunday receive canned goods, boxes, anything that isn't perishable, we will take and every week deliver to them just so that we could be a blessing to show our love in action. Amen. We want to do that for them because it's going to be very tight for her not ha being able to work. So let's lift her up in prayer. If you guys can close your eyes. Lord, we pray for Diana right now. We ask Jesus that you would stretch forth your hand and touch her body. I ask, Lord God, that you would give her grace upon grace. I pray for strength in those moments of frustration and weakness and pain. I pray, Lord God, for the healing process to be speed, uh, to, to be speedily, God. I pray, Lord, that in this uh, waiting for this next surgery, that you give her strength. I pray for all fear to be gone, that hope would arise, that her trust in you, God, would shine so bright, that her eyes would be focused on you. I pray for Juan to be able to assist her in all that she needs. I pray that you bring people into their path, God, from this church, from their family and friends, to be able to help them during this tough time. And I thank you for a church that loves God and loves people, and we will do all that we can to be there for them. Touch her right now and make her whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. How many of you guys love God and love people? Look to your neighbor say, I love God and I love people. Amen. Our discipleship strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. Let's say that together at the count of three. One, two, three. Connect, mentor, send. We want to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, and send you out with the cross. The way we want to connect you into this church, it, uh, connect you to the cross, is through our weekly life groups. Somebody say life groups. We have many, many choices for you to choose from, okay? We have uh, ministry-based life groups. The slide is coming. It's on the way. We have ministry life 
uh, based life groups. We have class-based special needs and activity. There is probably one for sure, if not two or three, that will fit you and your schedule. I want to encourage you, if Metro praises your church, if you've been coming here for a short time, uh, this is your first time, or if you've been coming here for a long time, and you have never come to our life groups, I want to encourage you today to pick one of these according to your schedule and commit to them because we want to be a church of disciples that share life together because coming to church alone does not make you a Christian. How many of you guys know that coming to church alone is not enough? We need to put God first and we need the fellowship, the accountability of those around us. And you can have anything you want. You want to have a spiritual time in the Lord? Come on Sundays. You need that weekly Bible study? Go to Griselda and Berto's uh, life group every single Friday. If you're a single mom, we're here for you. Marriage classes, we're here for you. If you just want to have fun and party hardy, go to the bowling one. Pick one that suits your needs, your desires. That was this male. He runs that one. He's the party hardy guy. There is one for you, if not two. So join with us. Share life with us because we want to grow with you. Amen? Our second phase in discipleship strategy is to mentor you. We desire that everybody that comes to this church to go through the 101. And it's not a magical journey of, of seven steps. It's just a basic foundation of Christianity where we want our elders, our deacons, who have been trained to get into your life, to help you succeed in the Lord, to do this with you one-on-one. -on -one. So we offer a plethora of things for you to do throughout the week. But this is our time to help you, to get into your life, to pray for those uh, uh, areas in your life that go so deep, whether you've been hurt or whatever it is, you want to grow in the Lord. This is what we want for you to do. And uh, all my elders and deacons can just simply take a stand. So if you are here, these are the people that you can go to and say, I want you to take me through this 101 book. These are the people that we have ready. They are like an army, okay, ready to charge at you. But they're not going to charge at you. They may ask you, but these are the ones that you can go after and say, I want to be discipled. Can I get an amen from those that are sitting? Say, I want to be discipled. Amen. You may be seated. And the next phase after that, however long that will take you, depending on your availability, uh, that's seven chapters, then we would love for you to graduate and get into our 201 class which is held every Sunday morning. Jared Walker teaches. He's a powerful, powerful teacher. He is our walking Bible man. So if there's anything you want to know, you want to come and learn from Jared Walker, okay? But like I said, everything in these books are, are scripture. We want to equip you to be a disciple for Jesus, a disciple that makes disciples. Because this is our way. This is the vision that God has given to us to fulfill the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make what? Make disciples. He didn't say make Christians. He didn't say make converts. He said make disciples and baptize them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you believe that God is with you, say amen. And we want to send you out to go evangelize, to get people to uh, come to church, to witness to them, to share the love of Jesus, whether it's on the streets, in your workplace, so they can come to know Jesus. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in this city and 500 around the world. If you believe that we can do that, I want you to stand up to your feet with a whole bunch of excitement. I want you to start clapping your hands and I want you to believe with me 
that Chicago will be transformed by a disciple-making church. Amen? God is able. It is not by our might, but by his spirit. Amen? You may be seated. We are going to prepare to give our tithes and offerings at this time. If you can please turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. We believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income. And that anything above that is an offering unto the Lord. And that amount is between you and him. And our offering goes to our mission fund and it goes to our building fund. But the 10% is something that we believe is commanded in, script, in scripture. And I have never heard a testimony from a tither that they've ever been in lack. They may go through times of testing, but God always comes through. If you're there in Malachi chapter 3, please say amen. Verse 8, will a mere, ma mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, say whole tithe, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How many of you want that? How many of you do want not enough room to receive all that God has for you, that you would be filled to overflowing? I want to encourage those who have been faithful to tithing and giving to missions in the building fund. Continue to do so unto the Lord. And those who have never done it, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Put God first in your finances. You will never be lacking. God is faithful to his word. Amen? Please stand up to your feet with me as we pray to receive the offering. But before we do, I want to share with you that we have online giving that makes it a little bit more convenient for you. If you want uh, to do that, please check out our website at mpichurch.org. And uh, let's recite this scripture together. Actually, let's pray first, and then we'll recite that scripture. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We worship you. We honor you. And now we worship and honor you with our giving, with a with our first fruits, God, with our tithe, we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in your house so that we could have above and beyond to give, God, to the needy, to give to those in our city, to provide all that we need in this house. God, we thank you for your people, for the jobs that they have, for those that are looking for jobs. I pray that you provide those for them. Open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. I pray for your blessing, your favor, your prosperity to please be upon them, God, in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's repeat this. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Come forward as you give.
Amen. Will you all open up your Bibles with me to the wonderful book of Proverbs? How many are loving Proverbs right now? Can I get a woo-woo? Amen. Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. We are going to be talking about today another wonderful proverb as well as always giving you daily devotions this entire month on Proverbs. And guess what? We're going to continue the series for May. Amen. So May is going to be another month of Proverbs, both on the devotional and here at church. And then uh, for some of you heard me say that Pastor Adam was, was going to be preaching today after his explosive, awesome, dynamic outreach with almost 50 teenagers on Friday. Let's give it up for Pastor Adam right there. Come on. We talked, and him being a rock star and a youth pastor, he said, Pastor, I can only do so much. And I said, that's all right. I'll keep preaching. So we support Adam and what he's doing, and we're believing God that he's going to get even a better job. He's applying for jobs like youth worker and, and uh, youth manager over some of these programs. Man, he's got a bachelor's degree. He's an awesome man of God. And until the church can pay him, we're believing that somebody's going to hire him and treat him good. Can I get a whoop whoop? Amen. Proverbs 11, verse 25. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Thank you. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Let's just read this together. One, two, three. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Have you ever been like so hot on a summer day that you could not wait to get a glass of water? Maybe a bottle of water out the refrigerator. I don't know about you, but I've got like a big bottle I keep in that refrigerator, man. Any, any fellas here working out folks? Any water lovers here? Man, I'm a guzzler. I am a guzzler. Sometimes I have to say to waitresses, just leave the pitcher there. Did anybody ever have to say that? It says, leave it there, man. I love water. And, and I think the reason is, is because I talk so much. Because I'm talking all the time, my mouth gets dry. And I'm like, eh, 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 I need some more water. And when I go out and I go fishing, sometimes I just love to fish, and I'm just having such a good time, and I love to go down south, okay? My favorite place to fish is in a small pier, small community with a pier called Grand Isle, Louisiana. These are the people that get hit the hardest when hurricanes and, and these uh, storms come, so I'm always praying and looking out for them. And uh, I love to go on this little old pier out there by myself. It's right at the bottom boot of Louisiana, and the best time to go out there is when it's sweltering hot like in August man and it will be so hot out there and I'll be fishing for sharks man I'll have bait on my hook that's like this big I don't know if anybody here likes to fish like around here like bass and carp or uh, bluegill we cut that up and put it out as bait that's what we go for because we're going for a shark man I want something that scares me when it gets up on the the pier I'm like oh lord that's what I like I like something like that like shark week is like whenever I go fishing but I'll be out there, man, and I'll be so focused, like, oh, we got to get the bait. And, and I don't just fish with one pole, by the way. I got at least five to seven poles out at any given time. I got, you know, different lengths, different, you know, kind of fishing techniques I'm doing. And what will happen out there in the Louisiana hot sun, getting sunburned, I will forget to drink water. And all of a sudden, man, I will get a dehydration headache. Has anybody ever had one of those dehydration headaches? Oh, man, aren't they the worst? And you're just like, man, why didn't I drink water? What's wrong with me? But it's too late because, you I mean, it's good to drink it, but you can't get that headache away for some time. But I know what it's like to be out in that sweltering heat and then to go into that cooler and just pull out that cold water bottle that I've been tucking away there on the ice. And you, know, you just crack it open. You're drinking it. It's dribbling down your chin, you know. And it's like, ah. 
pour it over yourself. Take off your shoe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some fantasy just came true for somebody. Oh, Lord. Oh, tell me about it, Pastor. <laughs> you know? No, be sanctified. Be holy, y'all. Be holy. Look at your neighbor and say, be holy. So I'm drinking water. We just enjoy fishing and drinking water. That's what's up, being refreshed. Now, I want to ask you this question. Proverbs is talking about being generous and refreshing others. That God is looking for a person to be generous and refresh others. Could you imagine at that time, if I didn't have any water, and the fishermen next to me had some water, and they said, yes, and I asked him, can I get some? And he said, yes, I'll give you a cap full. Wouldn't that just be weird, like a cap full of water? And then if like he wanted, he said, no, 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 I'm going to pour it for you. And like I had to like open my mouth. And he's like pouring a cap full. Wouldn't that just be weird? And then I'm like, no, dude, give me the water bottle. No, no, we don't got enough for everyone. I don't want to share. How many know like that stinginess in the midst of my dehydration would probably almost make me lose my sanctification? How about, look, man, I'm taking that water now. How often in, in life are we dehydrated waiting for someone to refresh us with the things of God? And here is the thing I want you to hear today. God wants you to be refreshed, but the way he wants to do it is by you refreshing others. This is going to blow your mind. But it's going to be a good trip. You all ready to take this trip with me? Do you know right now, according to the International Labor Organization, Americans work 137 more hours a year than Japanese workers, 260 more hours a year than British workers, and almost 500, 499 more years than the French. Like, what are they doing? We almost work 500 years, uh, I mean, did I say years? I meant hours more a year than the French. Do they even go to work? How many hours do they work a week? But have you noticed in our culture right now everybody's working more? Have you noticed that because of everybody working more, people are more stressed? This is being felt everywhere. The, the uh, hospitals are seeing more people come in with stress-related sicknesses than they've ever seen before. Because what happens is stress reduces the ability for the immune system to fight the, vac uh, the, fight the uh, bacterias and those things that your body naturally does. And what usually is the cause of that is lack of sleep and proper diet. And right now, what's tied into the obesity ep epidemic is a work stress overload in people's lives because they're working so much, they're not taking time to have home-cooked meals, they're not taking time to exercise, they're not getting proper sleep, and then their body begins to suffer because of the lack of sleep, lack of nutrition. And right now, as we're working the most, Americans are taking off the most sick days, and doctors are saying these sick days are related to stress. Right now in America, over 85% of men work more than 40 hours a week. That means 8 out of 10 of the people you know are putting in 40 plus hours a week. Here's a new phenomenon that we didn't know was going to affect us 
but it is, and it's too late really for some to do anything about it. 66% of women are now working outside the home 40 plus hours a week. And we empower women, we love women, but now it's starting to affect who? The children, right? 88% of Americans, uh, men, American men, and 66% of American women working more than 40 hours a week. Do you know that right now the American worker produces 400 times the amount of work accomplished in one work week compared to what they used to do in 1950? I know many times this generation looks back to the 50s and goes, man, those guys, they did so much, and in a lot of ways they did. But right now, if you look to who is holding down jobs, nurses, you talk to teachers, or you talk to people in construction industry jobs, you talk to people who are holding down these same kind of jobs that they did in the 50s, we are producing 400 times more product, 400 times more workload. That's almost inconceivable. What used to take what would be 40 people is now being put onto one person. I remember just going into Walmart uh, the other day, and there was one woman in charge of the whole sporting goods department and the whole uh, gardening section, and she was also in charge of running errands for the other people. And the reason why I found this out is because I was looking for a baseball and a baseball glove, and she didn't even know where it was. And I'm like, you work in the sporting's department. She's like, I also work in four other departments. And I'm like, what's going on? She said, we have fired and laid off so many people that the ones who are here are doing four, five, six people's jobs. How many of you are sensing that where you're working right now? If you're not, praise the Lord. Do you know that out of 134 countries we call the civilized Western world, they all have laws to regulate how much a worker can work, but America doesn't. So they are figuring that right now, on average, people are working hour after hour, eight hours sometimes extra a week, without receiving the overtime pay. Some are not receiving overtime, and they should. And others are not even getting paid for it because they're on salary, and the person that hired them on salary says, hey, you're here to death, do us part, baby. But you know in other countries, 134 other countries have laws to say, you cannot do that to the worker. How about this, vacation time? I'm just trying to encourage you guys that you're looking at me, some of you are like, is he angry with me? No, I'm, I'm happy, and I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to, like, feel what you're feeling right now. I think some of you are, like, you, like, so struck from the work week. You're, like, don't talk about it. Like your bottom lip quivering. I come here for you to tell me about seraphim and cherubim. Don't you be talking about work? Like, relax. Some of you all need to lighten up a little bit. Do you know that every country, including the major countries of the world, America is only one of three out of the 138. Every other country has mandated vacation times. That means 135 countries, mostly in Europe and that part of the world, have mandated vacation times. You know how many people in England are, uh, they, the uh, employer has to give a person in England off that works 40 hours a week. You know how much the law commands them to give off uh, per year? 30 days. 30 work days. America has no law to say how many vacation days you get. 
You want to know another thing? That we are one of only a few countries, 135 more countries do this than we do. Mandatory time off for women that have had children and for their spouse. We're one of the only countries out of the whole Western civilized world that when you have a baby, I think we've said 30 days, but the European countries give as much as six months and they give as much as 60 days to the mother and 60 days to the spouse. And it's mandatory. Could you imagine that women getting six months off paid when you had a child? Men, could you imagine getting off 30 to 60 days to be with your family? Now, some of you may say, man, I like it rough. I like it rough and tough. Don't be giving me off no time. I'm just going to come back the next week. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to work. But it's adding up with our diet and our weight and the stress in our family. Traffic policemen are saying, like never before, road rage has taken over the mindset of the drivers. Like never before, violence is now on our streets because people are so stressed while they're driving that they're getting into fights. I want you to look at this proverb again. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. What is the answer for the stressed out American worker today? Those of you who maybe are in school, working, taking care of your family, what is the answer for you to receive refreshing today in the midst of your dehydration, in the midst of you getting stressed out, saying, I don't know what I have time to do. It feels like my wheels are spinning, and I'm not going where I want to go, and I'm working so hard. I'm working twice as hard as I did last year for what I had last year. I should have twice as much, but I'm working twice as much, but I'm barely making it through. And you're asking yourself, what do I do? What do I do? The Bible gives the American worker, the stressed-out American, the solution today. Here's how you get your refreshment. Put it in black and white back there, DJ, please. Proverbs 11.25. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If you want to be refreshed today, you've got to get in the business of refreshing others. You cannot take off from ministry and think that will better you. You can't say, I'm too busy to help others and to reach out and make disciples because you are too busy not to. If you don't get into God's program here, you will die on the vine. And I talk to elders and deacons and all kinds of folk, and they're telling me right now, Pastor, I can't go to church like I used to. I can't serve like I used to. I've got so much going on. We've got newborn babies coming more than we've ever seen before. And, and people are saying, Pastor, I've got to work this job 50 hours because if I don't do it, they'll find somebody else to do it. But my friends, listen. Your schedule may be crazy. In your life, you may feel like you're getting burnt out. But Jesus taught us how to be refreshed. I know what it's like to be busy in my life. You know, here's one thing about stress, that you can never compare yours to somebody else. You know, let's just take all of us here, you know. We talk about these 134 countries and, you know, we're, we're the least of them and all that. And we talk about, you know, us working 60 hours a week. And if I had any of you, you know, tell your story up here, the worst among us, you know, pastor, I go through this and this and this. And all of a sudden I go to India 
and I get one of those men or women out there in India, they'll be like, shut your mouth. That's how they'll talk, by the way. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. I live on a dirt floor. I live in a hut with 10 people. But here's the thing. You can't compare your stress to the Indian villager because it's your stress. It's the same thing like puppy love. We can't look at teenagers in love and me and my wife, we've been in love for eight years, and go, young teenager, what do you know about love? You know nothing. They're going to like, they're like going to, you know, quote some Justin Bieber song back to me. You know, be like, I know everything about love. I know everything. Because puppy love may be puppy love, but it's real to the puppy. Now, my stress may not be your stress, but I got stress, baby. You look at my gray hair. I'm only 36 years old. What's going on? What has happened to me? Look, you know, you know why I have gray hair? Stress. You know why I got a little pouch, a little bit of muscle? Because I'm working all the time. Trying to take care of you folks. You think you easy to take care of? You think this is always lollipops and rainbows? This is hard work. But somebody's going to be like, oh, Pastor, you, you know, your stress ain't nothing compared to mine. And then somebody else talks about their stress. Well, you don't understand. You know, I always love single young adult stress. Does anybody know about single young adult stress? I love it. I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. What is wrong with you? You ain't married. You ain't got no kids. You ain't got no mortgage. You got you and a book and a part-time job. What you complaining about? Let me back up on you real quick. You can take it. You young. You resilient. Tell me about your single stress, you know? So stressed out being single and young, you know? No, you young and reckless. You young and reckless. You taking free time like you at the club with P. Diddy lighting $100 bills on fire, making it rain. You taking your time just throwing it up in the air. You just wasting it. I don't know what to do with myself. I just conquered the eighth level on this video game. Now I just don't know what to do. And we're like... Married folks, we were like, I'll do anything to have those eight hours. What are you doing, man? Come on. So, you know, you can't compare stress. You can't compare stress. Because you know that young adults going home and writing in their diary, it's so hard. I'm going to school, and I have to get up, and I got to go to my job, and I got a paper to hand. You know, and that's like real stress. And, and Jesus, he sends his angels down. He's like, minister to them, angels, you know. Just like he comes to, you know, people here today that are married and you've got a lot of kids and you're taking care of a lot on your job and you're trying to put it all together and one missed paycheck and throw the whole thing off. And God says, angels minister to them. Because the Bible says angels are ministering servants unto the Lord. So they come and give us strength. The Holy Spirit guides us, you know. But here is the thing. If we all can admit we know what it's like to be stressed, then we all need to admit we need to be refreshed, right? So if you're like, man, I'm stressed, let's not just talk about it. Let's do something about it. Let's get refreshed. And here's the way I look at it. The harder you work, the harder you need to drink. 
And okay, you need to get refreshed. So I ain't going to come to you with like a thimble full of the Holy Spirit, a thimble full of refreshment. No, we're going to dump it on you today. We're going to let you drink in the presence of God because those who work hard need to be refreshed. Does that make sense to you all? You know, I don't anybody remember seeing Zoolander, you know? And the guy, eh, eh, I have the black lung, eh, eh. Inside joke for those who have seen that movie. It's like, dude, if you've been working in a coal mine 12 hours a day, you need to drink a lot of water, right? You've been sitting and playing the video game. You don't need a whole lot of water. So the point is, we're not here to compare stress levels. I'll take you at your word. I'm stressed out. Okay, I'm, 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 I'll take you at your word. But then here's the point. For the level that you're stressed, do you want to be refreshed? For what you have put out and working hard, doing things good, do you now want it to come back to you? Well, how does it? How does that come back to you, the refreshment, by you giving it out? That's the principle. The, the sermon today is refresh others so you can be refreshed. I believe today in our culture we've become narcissistic. And what that's a big word for is selfish. We want it to be all about us. We want uh, the counselor to hear our problems. We want, uh, you know, our friends just to play the violin and just, you know, tell us how hard our life is. But we really don't want to change anything. We want to act like we're the victim, you know. Because those facts are right, you know, it's true, we're working harder, we're stressed out, but a lot of us are just selfish, and it's like we walk around with a martyr complex, and, and, and we just want to say, you know, that's just the way it is, and I'm a tough man, but jam, I'm taking it, I'm just going to complain to you a whole bunch about it, I'm not going to do anything to change, but, you know, hear my complaint, and what a true believer needs to do when we hear those type of complaints, is we need to say, I want to pray for you to start ministering to others. Well, pastor, I don't think you heard what I said. No, I heard exactly what you said. You're, you're busy. You're stressed out. Yeah, you need to get refreshed. Yeah, yeah, I need to get refreshed. We'll go minister to others. Because that's how he told you to get the faucet, the fire hydrant of God's blessing comes through you refreshing others. Say this with me. My blessing comes from me refreshing. Let's look at John 3.16. John 3.16. If you guys like the Bible, can I hear an amen? It's tight, but it's right. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Come on, keep reading if you're there. That he gave his, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus understood this concept. Not that Jesus in heaven was stressed but heaven had no souls there was only angels mankind had fallen away and rebelled from God and Jesus understood if he wants fellowship with mankind he must die for mankind he must pour himself out and he literally gave his blood so that you and I could have salvation so that we could be solely refreshed, spiritually refreshed, and at the resurrection, physically refreshed. Body, soul, and spirit through the cross of Jesus Christ. He has given us the opportunity to all be refreshed. Are you all tracking with me? Now turn with me to the corresponding passage. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 
John 3.16 says what Jesus did to refresh others. But then in the corresponding chapter, uh, book, 1 John, see John is the gospel of Jesus. 1 John is the epistle of John talking about Jesus. Same chapter, same verse. 1 John 3.16. Listen to what it says. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And sisters, sorry, for God, <laughs> we are called to lay down our lives now for others. But pastor, I'm so stressed out. Yeah, but you want to be refreshed, don't you? Yeah, well, start laying down your lives for others. Stop being so narcissistic where it's about your four and no more and you get stressed and you live in stress and you never get God's blessing. He does care about your four. He does care about you and what you're doing and he built in a system so that when you are working hard for those folks that you will be refreshed. You then look to other families. You then look to other people. You lay down your life for strangers and your enemies and co-workers and as you do that, he will supernaturally refresh you and bless you. But if you say, Pastor, I don't want to do that, then you have to understand, and I want to be clear here, there is no prayer I can pray for you to relieve your stress then. Pastor, I'm just, oh, man, I'm just thinking about dropping out of 201. Man, I'm so stressed out. Things are going wrong. Okay, I'm going to pray that you start ministering to others then. No, Pastor, I, I just I ain't got no time for that. I ain't got no time for that. Okay. Why well, are you going to pray for me, Pastor? No, the only prayer I can pray is that you refresh others. What am I going to pray? Let's just think about this. Am I going to pray some like magical prayer? Lord, we pray that stress just disappears like mist over their life. We pray that when they're at their job for eight hours a day, that magically you send unicorns there so that on their break they can take galloping rides on rainbows to other galaxies. What am I going to say to relieve your stress? Lord, take away their stress. Just pray some generic prayer. Just take away their stress, Lord. Well, he told you how stress is relieved. You stop thinking about yourself. You start refreshing others. Just take this for an example. Let's say you have a 168-hour work week. I heard the 201 talking about this. You work for eight hours plus. You sleep for a little bit less than eight hours, so you make it up there. You've got another eight hours to do something with your life. Imagine if you took one of those hours out of the 168 a week and you gave one of them to go evangelizing, one of them to disciple someone like you but doesn't know God like you, okay? A young adult like you but they don't know God like you. And you take them under your wing. You know what you do for that hour? You begin to think about them. You begin to concern yourself with them. By doing that, you've relieved your mind for that momentary hour of letting that rat race and those, those thoughts continue to go over and over over again. It's about me and me and my bills and my bills. You put it on to them. Then at that moment, God sees your obedience and he does what nobody else can do. No drug, no alcohol, no amusement park ride, no vacation to Disney World. People come back more stressed out from vacations to Disney World. Come on, somebody. It's crazy out there in Mickey land. And you come back and you're like, why is it not working? Because only God can lead you 
besides still waters that refresh your soul. Remember that Psalms chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. See, only God can calm you down and say, lay down, lay down. Don't stop working, but lay down in your heart. You're working to achieve something you can't do anymore. Let me carry the burden. He says, I will lay them down in green pastures, and I will bring them before a stream that will refresh their soul of living water. I want you to write down three attributes about what you would love to see in a good leader. Three things. Everyone write these down, please. Your back or your announcements can be notes. Write these three attributes down. Here's the three attributes I want you to write down. What makes a leader great? What are three things that make a leader great? Somebody that's a leader. Three things. I want to get a little class participation. So once you've got three things, raise your hand because I want to have you just shout them out for me. You got something right here, babe? You don't got a pen? That's okay, man. It's okay. He won't let you borrow that pencil. What's the first thing you got there, sir? Making the example. There we go. That's a good leader, right? Somebody who makes an example. Who do we got, Cynthia? Rodan. Integrity. Integrity. Somebody that you can follow. Diana, who I like to call DZ. Faithful. Faithful. Anybody on this side? Yes. Reliable. Reliable. Humility. Boom. Humility. Strong oratory skills. Can talk good. All right. <laughs> Guess what? What you wrote down is what God wants you to be for others. Boom. <laughs> Let it sink in. You were like, I'm doing this for Pastor Joe. Send it to him by Facebook later on today. This is what I want. Star. This is, you know. No. This is what you're going to be what you want done unto you Luke 6:31 let's all turn there you're going to do for others Luke 6:31 do to others as you would have them do to you so how many here want somebody to be a good leader in your life somebody that can refresh you be humble talk consider it to you uh, be faithful to you be a person of integrity okay we all want those kind of leaders we want someone in our life that can refresh us and encourage us guess what you're now supposed to do that for somebody else every one of you there are no exceptions in this room today God wants every single one of us to refresh other people do to others as you would have them do to you. You know, there was somebody, uh, one of Ishmael's relatives, that uh, I met at a pizza place, and he came up to me, and he said, I've just given my heart to the Lord, and I'm so on fire in my church. And he says, you know, but the most disappointing thing is, there's no real Bible studies here. There's no real discipleship here. And Ishmael, he shows me the books, and he's told me all about what you guys do. Oh, I so wish that that was at my church. Do you know what I said? I'll tell you what I didn't say. I didn't say, well, come on over to our church where the getting is good. Got a Bible study waiting for you, son. You know what I said? I said, please go to your pastor in humility and say, Pastor, can I start a Bible study here? Can I 
start the Bible study here. Maybe that pastor has to work another job. A lot of pastors have to do that. Maybe that pastor is already doing a ton of things. You know, like you see the person balancing the plates on the stick. Maybe he's got, you know, the Sunday ministry going, the worship ministry going, the administration, this. And maybe he doesn't have time to get the Bible study going. And then I look at a church like this where we guarantee, this is our guarantee. This is the bottom line of Metro Praise. We guarantee you there is a mentor, a one-on-one leader that will spend time in your life at this church. We guarantee it, right? That's our guarantee. But sometimes those leaders, they say back to me, Pastor, I'm so tired. I'm so wore out. My life is stressed. And I do believe there's wisdom in scheduling. That's why we don't have five services and three prayer meetings here, okay? Because we believe church is where you are, right? So we don't have Sunday night service tonight, am I right? We don't have, you know, Wednesday Bible study, this Bible study. We simply have church on Sundays, life groups for you throughout the week. Bam, there it is. You can pick which one works for best for you. We're not trying to get you here to the circus Olay of Metro Praise. And this week, we've got dum bum 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 going on. It's very simple. Gather together and go out. As Monica said yesterday in our, in our leadership meeting, it's connect, mentor, send, not connect, mentor, stop. We're not just supposed to stop. We're supposed to be going out doing things. It's not connect, mentor, sit at church, and then come back next week. It's connect, mentor, send. Keep reading. Verse 32 of Luke 6. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Some of you, you've just switched clicks. You were in a click in the world. You had your friends. You did whatever you did with them. And now you've come to church, and now you've got your church friends. And as long as you've got a half a dozen you know, to a dozen people in your life that you can you know, pray and read the Bible with, you're good. You're like, man, my life is good. I'm going to heaven. My children are in the back. They're taken care of. i got a church family that loves me. A couple things going on throughout the week. I'm fine. But you're not understanding. Sinners do that. You need to love people who don't love you. You need to find others who are dehydrated and they don't know what living water even tastes like. And you need to go and refresh them. And by doing that, by loving those who don't love you, you will get refreshed. He promised you. He says, and if you do good, verse 33, to those who are good to you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do that. We are to go out of our way to do good things for people. The church that you're a part of today is asking you to refresh others. Remember that illustration that I gave at the beginning, me being in the southern heat of Louisiana? I mean, it's hot out there. If I had Ellie, because Ellie's working today, if I had Ellie, he would tell you, man, he almost caught heat stroke just for being out there for two hours. I've had, I used to have people visit me from the Midwest. They would catch heat stroke all the time. Now, those of you from Latino nations, be patient with me, okay? But for us gringos, like, coming out, they're like, hey, it's sunny. Let's have fun. We, like, pass out after a while, okay? It's hard on us. Am I talking the truth here, gringo? You talk to me. Girl, you know talking about? You know, but I've watched people, and they go out there, man, and, and literally they're sweating, and they're sweating, and it's deceiving. It's almost like the opposite of hypothermia, you know, being too cold, is you don't understand how much liquid you're losing. You think you're fine, and you become under, like, an illusion of I'm okay. And I've actually had to sit down people and be like, no, you need to get in the shade, and you need to drink. 
And I feel like some of you here today, I need to do the same thing. You're just out and you're sweating and you're working and you're sweating. And I need to shake you up and go, no, you need to minister to somebody right now. You need to minister to somebody because you've got to get refreshed. The only way you're going to keep your passion for God and the joy of life is if you get your eyes off yourself and start helping other people. Come on, man. Refresh somebody. Refresh somebody. And I look at the Bible, and I love Paul, man. He was at the spa of Holy Ghost refreshing. This man understood it because he was always pouring himself out that all throughout his letters, especially at the ends of his books, uh, Romans 15, 32, 1 Corinthians 16, 18, 2 Corinthians 7, 13, and 2 Timothy 1, 16, he's always talking about people who are refreshing him. He's like, oh, man, they're refreshing me. Praise God. Why? Because he had been pouring their life into them, and they began to get the idea. Like, oh, man, if I want God to bless me through my church, I need to start blessing my pastor. I need to start taking care of my apostle. Otherwise, it's going to faint and fall out. And so look at Romans 15, 32, just quickly. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. He said, man, I can't wait to be with you and be refreshed. Why were those Christian brothers going to be refreshed? Because they were doing so much in the ministry that they were going to get around each other and start serving the Lord together. 1 Corinthians 16, 18. It talks about these awesome men of God. Let's just turn to this one because I want you to see some names in the Bible. Some people like you who had to do all of these things in their everyday life but made time to refresh others. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? Like four of you. Let's wait for everybody. Everybody. 1 Corinthians 16, 17. If you're there, can you say I'm there? It says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achacus, I'm trying, Nancy, arrived because they had supplied what was lacking from you, for they what? Refreshed my spirit and yours. Such men deserve, what's that word? recognition these people cared about others how many Americans working today in our country need to be refreshed how many moms need to be refreshed how many young adults need to be refreshed how many teenagers some you know we're talking about teenagers dealing with more stress at their age than most of us ever dealt with as an adult you know so many people today are stressed out what is the answer? Refresh others and be refreshed. Philemon, chapter 1, verse 20. Turn there with me in closing, please. Ben, would you come? Philemon, chapter 1, verse 20. This is a short letter, but he says something very important I want us to see in closing. He says, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Verse 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul was saying, by these people, specifically here now, Philemon, he said, Philemon, by you doing this, you're refreshing me, and I know you'll do it, and you'll do more. And what was his request to Philemon? Philemon was to release somebody that worked for him, that had stolen from him. His name was Onesimus. 
he had stolen from Philemon. And you know how Paul met him? Paul met him while he was in jail. Because this guy got arrested again, you know, for stealing. Paul hears about it, and he says back to Philemon, his employer, he says, will you forgive this man? Will you minister to this man? Will you take this man back into the church setting, because he was also the pastor of a church, he said, will you bring him back into your life and minister to him? Because by you doing that, you will refresh me too. When I see you all stressed out and what's going on in our culture, that stresses me out as a pastor. Because I say to myself, man, what can I do? What can I do to help this congregation? You know, you would be surprised at how many things we change just to make it easier for people to do the basics, you know. We used to do 101 as a class, but we said, oh, not everybody can make it to a class. So let's do it one-on-one so that, you know, wherever they can do it, right? That's how, that's how that came up with that. And then we tried a midweek service a long time ago, but then people would tell me, oh, I can't make it this day, I can't make it this day. And and some days I work 12 hours and I barely make it. So we went into the life group principle, which was, okay, is a Friday good for you? Is a Sunday good for you? What day is good for you? I want to see a church of refreshed people because that will refresh me. And I'm asking you like Paul did to now help hurting people. Will you do that? Will you do beyond even what I'm asking? Because here's what I'm going to ask. That you find one person a month and you begin to minister to them. That you would make it a goal, just one person a month, if I can build a relationship with and minister to them. It doesn't matter where you meet them at. It doesn't matter how you do it, but to do it. To find someone on your job, in your family, and to begin to pour yourself out as Paul did and others did. Would you do that? Because I believe you will be refreshed. When I think about all of the people we have in this church, the difference we can make in other people's lives would be phenomenal. And for that, it would be worth it. But I believe it will be worth it for your well-being as well. When I've taken mission trips, and I've done over 30, I've been to uh, 12 Mardi Gras, do you know what everybody tells me on the mission trip? I'm so tired. I've never done all this before, but I feel so on fire for Jesus. I feel so refreshed. What? Let's put that together. You're physically tired. You just did 40 hours worth of ministry in two days, you know, whatever. You're like crazy for Jesus, one hour of sleep. And yet, emotionally, you feel like you are on the biggest Holy Ghost high. Why? Because you just kept refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. You took your eyes off yourself. You started helping others. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand clap for his word today? We love you, Jesus. Would you just stretch forth your hands? Come on one more time as we get ready to dismiss and just say, Lord, use me. Come on, say, Lord, use me, Jesus. Oh, God, send me people to refresh right now. Come on, ask him to put people in your heart, in your lives. Lord, send us. Send us dehydrated folks, those who need to be refreshed. Oh, God, we're all busy, but we're too busy not to refresh others. Oh, Lord, refresh us today as we refresh others. 
Refresh us. Come on, 30 more seconds. I want you to pray that God will use you. This can't be something I do for you as a pastor. It's something only you and God can do. Show me, Jesus, who's in my life. I want to refresh others. I want to refresh others today. I want to help others. I love my family, God, but I want to help someone else's family this week. Show me someone in my neighborhood, God, that would like to have their kids come jump on our trampoline and have some lemonade with God so I can refresh a mom to take some time off as Nancy watches the kids and I have fun watching. God, help us to reach out any way we can. Now, would you just look at me as we get ready to close altar workers? Would you come, please? I want to give you three suggestions today to do it. Three suggestions, but more than these practical suggestions, it's going to come from God. But here's just three ways to do it. How do you know somebody's thirsty? You see them sweating, right? Hardworking, gasping for air. How do you know somebody needs spiritual refreshment? I'm going to help you out. Number one, look for people in your life who are complaining all the time about their stress. So you're at work, you're doing your thing, and all of a sudden you just hear somebody say, man, I hate this job, this place sucks, man, I'm so stressed out. Oh, that's that's a cue. I need to go refresh them. Pop, Pop open the bubbly, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I got what you need. Listen to people complaining and see that as your opportunity. Second thing, look for people in your life who are tired. I'm not talking physically tired. I'm just talking, you look around, you can just see that emotionally they're tired. I remember teenagers, even going to school, I could see young adults, man, in my high school, they were just tired. They were wore out in life. You know, suicide happens to teenagers like it does million-dollar businessmen who lose the deal, right? So stress is stress. Look for people who look tired in life. Maybe it's on the marriage, uh, you know, on the job, but they're, you know, in their marriage, you can see it's not satisfying. Look for those signs. And then lastly, look for people that keep coming to you for things that may seem insignificant, but they just want to talk. Keep your mind and heart open for maybe that person that, you know, you go to your job, and it's always that one person that seems to meet you there at the water cooler. Or maybe you're at school and it's that one person always wants to sit, sit with you at the lunch table. Or that one person that always likes to come and crack jokes with you at the, at the table where you guys work at. A lot of times people are drawn to you, but they don't admit why they're coming. But they're just, they're just drawn to you. They're just like, you know, it's a hard day. We've been working for six hours, like teen challenge. But all of a sudden, you just notice there's just this one guy that always just comes around. He's like, hey, Jerry, what are you doing tonight? Well, what's going on in your life? Or what's happening? Take notice because what they're understanding is that when they get around you, it's like a water fountain. You ever been outside sometimes downtown Chicago and they got the mist in some of those fancy stores? And uh, you walk downtown to these restaurants and you walk like, whoa, what's going on? It's like they're putting free air conditioning out there like the mist of water. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like these people understand, man, when I hang around you, The stress starts to go away. I'm refreshed. Look for people who complain a lot. Look for people who are tired. And look for people who are just continually coming into your path. I believe God's sending them for a reason. Amen? Let's pray and get ready to dismiss and go and refresh the world. Father, use us to refresh the world. Come on, worship band. Would you just give us a song right now? Before you go, let's just ask the Lord to use us. 
Use us. Come on, God, to refresh this city, to refresh those around us. God, I pray you anoint everyone here to be someone that refreshes. Come on, just give me a song in the spirit before we leave. Come on, Jesus, refresh us as we refresh others. Can you turn her up, baby? I need it. I need to be refreshed by this worship right now. Come on. Jesus, there we go. Before we go, you get refreshed in his presence. Ask him to fill you, and you go pour it out today. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, sing that verse again. Then we'll leave. But come on, I want some of you to get it today. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, as we prepare to leave here today, use us to refresh a hurting world. In your precious name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen one more time? Bless him today. Come on, hallelujah. Slap your neighbor high five and say, be refreshed. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be up here. If you want to worship with us, come on and join us. God bless you. We'll see you at Life Groups.